My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID-19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So on behalf of Scoopy and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. Kate Manny. Manny. Yo. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo. The best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word from Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B said, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews he gave you to fix on iTunes, the number one podcast, the Jordan, the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, watch out. What about it? If he naming them, scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go. Enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now. At Follow Scoop him. B. At Scoopy, Follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. In your airwaves, on the plane, on the train. Everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. And make sure most importantly that you subscribe to the Scoop B 
Radio Podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio is simply by visiting scoopbradio.com. 2.1 million streams last year. One of the main reasons why is because we have newsmakers, no different peers on the line right now. We have the Philadelphia Inquirer's Keith Pompey. Keith, welcome to Scoopy Radio. What's up, man? Hey, hey Scoopy, I got to say this, bro. I love I love the Scoop B part. I've been always saying that, yo, my man is Scoop B. Like, I, I like that. Because as a dude growing up, we used to call him Scoop. You know what uh-huh. I mean? In the, in the fact that you say it, I, I just like it. it it's catchy as it, it, it all get up. Listen, man, we, we're, we're making it happen. And I'm thankful for that because I think in today's day and age, the digital landscape um, is the way to be. And I was looking at some of your tweets earlier, you talking about Shake uh, Milton at the one, Ben Simmons at the four, and people on Twitter were salivating over that. What is the fascination with Ben Simmons off the ball and taking jumpers for Sixers fans? You know what, man? I'm going to be honest with you. Um, there were games, I'm just going to speak for myself. There were a couple games this season where they had him playing like center and they had him playing like power forward. And I'm telling you, I was blown away so much that one time I saw his dad at an airport and I had to like basically say to him, look, I apologize if I said some things hating in the past or whatever I wrote, but I've seen a different bend when I see him at the four and at the five. I mean, the difference is it's one of those things where if you got a traditional big on, Ben is too fast for the guy to cover, right? If you got a small guy on, it's one of those things where Ben is too big and too strong. And, and like, no one talks about the three-point shot when he's down there. Like, you don't have to. It's just that he does a lot of different things. So when you see that, that's why everybody is salivating because it's like an instant mismatch. It's like a cheat code. You know, now, again, people are going to slow things up in the playoffs. So it's going to take a little bit of that away. But I'm telling you, like him playing point guard is good, but he's really a point uh, a point forward, so to speak. And I'm telling you, I believe that it's going to be a much improved team with him at that spot. You three and three, you come to the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer. You're actually from the city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you have license to speak on this. I want to bring in this analogy and tell me if it makes sense. So years ago, when the Sixers went to the NBA Finals that particular season, Larry Brown shifted Allen Iverson to the two-guard position. You Eric Snow to the point-guard position. Do you see this Ben Simmons moving from maybe three to four in a ceremonial way the same way Allen Iverson was shifted to the two. I, I think it could end up that way. I do. I do. I mean, the thing about Ben, when when we talk about it, like, you know, um, Ben is, has, is really a point forward. He always has been. It just so happens that the Sixers tried to bring him over and, and do the point guard thing. I think that when you look at his strengths and his weaknesses, you know, a lot of people in the, in the league always said he was a power forward, right? So I think that from here on out, he's already established himself, like AI did, as one of the top players, regardless of position. 
So the fact that he's playing the, the point forward position, like it is what it is. He's always still going to have the ball in his hands. He's still going to do certain things. So, yeah, I have to say that, you know, right now, like things are going to continue and it's just going to be like AI, you know, just like now, again, it's hard for me to say like AI because AI is a Hall of Famer. You know, he's a he's like a, a, a Philly goat, so to speak. So I don't want to put that pressure on Ben. But at the same time, I do believe that it's going to be a smooth transition. And it's going to be one of those things where people are going to say, like, hey, I remember when. We talk about Ben Simmons being a point forward. I think there's levels to being point forwards. Because when you look at Carmelo Anthony in Denver, uh, they were key games where he brought the ball you know, and maybe Chauncey Billis was shifting over to to a shooter, or you know, even um, Andre Miller, or 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 you know, um, people like that, or even um, I drew a blank, but I think you catch what I'm saying. But then you look at Jamal Masler, with the, with the Hornets, um, and he kind of shifted to that point four role in key situations. Scotty Pippen, same thing. And then you look at LeBron James, who really is the point guard of the Little Fans Lakers. I remember playing NBA Live in college when he played for the Cavaliers in his rookie year. He started as a point. J.R. Brimmer was the two guard. How do you differentiate Ben Simmons as a point forward as opposed to being a point guard? Which is he and why? See, the thing is, like what you said, point, Ben Simmons is the type of guy, and, and the thing that makes him good is, um, like you, you talk about his athleticism, his ability to get to the rim. But whenever you play, whenever you have Ben Simmons, you, he's the type of point forward that you're going to have. And what's going to make him excel is you have to have shooters on the floor around him, right? Mm-hmm. Because what he's going to do is he's going to be in the high post. You know, he, he's going to, like, you know, spin, go to the hoop hard. But at the same time, he's going to draw, like, some double teams or somebody, you know, if you sag off him, he's going to go straight to the court or go to the rim. If you come at him, then all of a sudden he's just going to quarterback the gym, so to speak, as Brett Brown likes to say. So if you, like you said, when they had, you know, Chauncey and other guys, if you get another ball handler on the floor with them, but it has to be someone who can knock down shots, and then Ben Simmons is going to excel, you know, because you need, shooters on the floor with Ben Simmons. So I think that's the type of point forward he's going to be, a guy who's basically, you know, just quarterback in the gym, but you need shooters around him. And that's why Shake Milton is so important. Uh, on a Zoom call with Alan Burke the other day, um, I asked him, he having played on the Warriors with Steph Curry and then, you know, playing um, alongside Ben Simmons, you weren't in the Zoom that day because it was your birthday. Happy belated birthday to you. Um, Thanks, bro. You're welcome. But when you look at Ben Simmons from your years of covering the NBA and maybe even being a fan of just being around the game, who does he remind you of? Mm, let's see. Who does he, does he remind me of? Um, let's say, and let's say a bigger, stronger, faster, a little bit more athletic, Draymond Green. And I know that some people might say, why you say that? I'm just saying because what he does is, like, when you look at, and and the reason why I'm saying that is because, okay, so Steph Curry 
is the point guard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Draymond was the one who had the ball in his hand. Right. And he was the one that did all the other things. Now, again, what I mean by bigger, stronger, faster, Ben is faster than him. He's bigger than him. He's stronger than him. He's a little bit more athletic. But I think that's the type of role that he's going to play. You know what I mean? He's going to be the facilitator. And when you look at Draymond, you know, Draymond is a guy, he, he knows his role. He knows that you had uh, KD when KD was um, – was there. He knows that you had Clay. He knows that you have Steph. So what's your job? Your job is to make sure they all get the rock. And at the end of the day, you know, the stat sheet may not say, okay, Draymond did this and he did that, but he, he was very, um, you know, he played a very vital role on that team. The difference is that, you know, Draymond did make a couple all-stars, but the difference is that Ben is going to be, you know, regarded as you know, a top five player, so to speak, in a couple of years. But his role is going to be similar to what Draymond's role is. Tell me something. When I look at Joel Embiid, I've often said his footwork and his just his strength is a cross between Chris Webber and Hakeem Olajuwon. Do you see it? I do. I do. Um, I, you know, I, I do, especially because the thing about the thing about Embiid is, though, is the thing that amazes me is he's one of those guys who it's hard to believe that he's new to basketball, that he's only been playing the sport for like less than the game for less than seven years, maybe eight years, right? If that, if, if the most, and and he'll look at a video of somebody's footwork and he'll pick it up. And the person who he looked at the most coming up was Olajuwon. So it's like Olajuwon would do things and you say, wow, that's amazing for a big man to do that. I don't think anyone else would do it. And then next thing you know, MB's out there doing, you know. But, yeah, his athleticism is off the chart. His footwork is off the chart. And and I have to agree with you with a cross between those two, leaning closer towards Olajuwon. When you look at somebody like Joel Embiid, um, do you think that he is the prototype for today's big man? Because even calling him a big man to me is weird. Because he's a power forward. He's not a traditional center. I mean, as far as back to the basket, but then you go across the league. You look at Anthony Davis. You look at you look at um you look at uh, the guy in, in, in Phoenix. His name I can't think of this second. Um, but you look at all of those different guys that are mobile big men. Um, do you think that you're all needed to prototype for today's big men? No, I, I don't know about that. I mean, I think, you know what I think? Because cause Joel is so big. Scoop like, Radio. You know what I mean? He's so big. And, and, and it, it's like, I think that Joel is the equivalent of a complete big man. And what I mean by that is he can step out. But and he can also play in the post. You look at a lot of these prototype guys. You know, these are dudes who are tall, but years ago they would have been classified as like powerfuls, like athletic yeah. powerfuls. And and B to me, I think that when when you talk of Anthony Davis and you talk of some of these other guys, when I look at them, I'll say to myself, okay, let's use Andre Drummond for example. Mm-hmm. Let's say. 
can they bang with Andre Drummond? How would they look? I think that those guys would take a beat for the most part. But when you look at Embiid, you'll say, you know what? This guy, when he when he when he's on the block, he's the most dominant player in the game, right on the floor. The the question is, he's athletic enough to move outside and do things to where he hits a three, and you're saying, oh, okay, I, I get it. But to me, at the end of the day, his best his his um his strongest suit is when he's on the block. And I can't say that about some of these other bigs out here. You understand what I'm saying? No, so, I do So I think that Joel is like the closest thing to being a throwback. The problem is he's so athletic that he can get away doing other things. And DeAndre was the guy, uh, the, the big man with the uh, yeah. on who I was talking about. I drew a blank for like a super radio. He's on of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Let's get to business. You are going to Orlando uh, at mm-hmm. some point, and you are going to the bubble. On the scale of one to ten, how nervous are you? Well, it's weird. Like, I'll, I'm, I'm actually not going to be in the bubble. I'm going to be in tier two, so that's not quite the bubble. Is um, And I think I probably would have been a little bit more, um, how should I say it, uh, secure if I was inside the bubble, right? Because inside the bubble, I believe that if you do everything you're supposed to do, you're going to be cool because everyone else is getting, you know, tested every day, whatnot. Now, where I'm going to be at, I'm going to be outside. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come in and during the games, the game day. Now, I feel a little bit better because I have to get tested twice a week and so will all the other people doing the same thing. So it kind of eases my mind a little bit. But if I was inside the bubble, I mean, I I, I think I would feel a whole lot more secure. I like that. I like that. The Sixers um, will, at the, at the part of the uh, March 11th NBA halt, the Sixers were in sixth place in the NBA's Eastern Conference. Injuries played a big part in some things. Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons. Uh, there was a uh, a um, trading deadline deal that brought Alec Burks as well as uh, Glenn Robinson the third uh, to the 76ers. Um, and both uh, time went off. Uh, Horford was still trying to figure out his role. Will he start? Uh, will he, or should he start? Should he come off the bench? Um, and uh, <laughs> at some point during the season in February, Sixers fans were frustrated with Brett Williams. What do you make of the season with the Sixers right at the cult uh, because of the coronavirus pandemic? It was a failure. Really? A failure. You know, a huge failure. And, and and the reason why I'm saying that is they came out, it came out with so much hype. You know, the, the expectations were, were huge. I mean, you look at the addition of Al Horford, you know, as much as I like Al, and as much as I think that Al's a, is still a better player than people are giving him credit for, it just wasn't a good fit with him and Ben Simmons and Joel on the floor together. And it's, it's nothing to do with Al. I think that the fact that Ben doesn't shoot from the outside, it kind of clogged everything up when those three were there together, right? It, it really did. Um, you, you look at the fact that they were sixth in the East, and in the preseason, everyone was hyping them up to be one of the favorites to go to the finals. 
Um, it looks, it, it just seems like they just, it, it, the chemistry was messed up. People didn't know if Ben and Joel could play together at one particular time. So, I mean, it was just a major failure to me, man. It, it really was. And, and if you look at, you know, last year's team, you have to say with Jimmy Butler and J.J. Reddick, you know, that team was better than this year's team. Now, again, they have four months to, to try to get things together and mental, and everyone is saying all the right things. And we'll find out once, you know, August 1st comes and they play the Indiana Pacers. But, you know, up until the uh, up until the shutdown, the season was a failure. Do you think um, that Tobias Harris, we talked about Shea Milton, you know, shifting to the one. Could you see Tobias Harris as an effective playmaker at the one the same, and, moving, and moving Ben Simmons to the three in the same vein that the Sixers did in the playoffs? Last season against Toronto, where Ben Simmons moved off the off the ball and did fairly well, could you see that scenario in Philly? You saying with Tobias at the one? Yeah. Uh, I got to see more of that. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I could see Tobias like initiating the offense, but what I could see is I could see somebody bringing the ball up, like Ben or Shake bringing the ball up and then they'll pass the ball to Tobias at the top of the key, and then they spread the floor and see him going to work. But as far as, like, Tobias, like, running the one, I don't know. Like, I, I know that that's something that he excelled at at high school and, and a little bit at, you know, at Tennessee with the ball in his hands a little bit. But, you know, and, and even when he was in um, uh, with, with the Clippers, you know, he did some things with ISO and they spread the ball. I think that's great for him, but I don't know about, you know, if I'm a team and you got Tobias bringing the ball up, I think I'm going to try to stick the dogs on them, so to speak. But, you know, but when they get into that set and you spread it, I think that, you know, he could excel in that role. I know that in uh, Portland, uh, there's been talks of, you know, Zach Collins comes back, Nurkic comes back, and you have uh, – you have um, another powerful, powerful or big bear position like the show because you got the brothers from um, the Miami Heat. Hassan. Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I have not had my afternoon coffee. You look at Philadelphia, they have a law jam at the big man position because you have Horford who can spread the floor, and you have Joel Embiid who is Joel Embiid. If you're Brett Brown, in the playoffs, would you consider resting Horford, having him come off the bench, or would you start him? I think I think you got to bring Horford off the bench. I do. I think you have to bring, especially with Ben going to the point forward spot, and Shake Milton can stretch the floor. I think what you're going to do is you're going to bring Horford off the bench, and what you're going to do is when he comes in. You're going to feature him. You know, you're going to go to, you're going to feature him. It could be one of those things where, you know, like Horford will come in and, and maybe I, I think the person who's going to leave is either going to be Ben, not Ben, excuse me, is either going to be Shake Milton or, or it's going to be, uh, uh, Josh Richardson. 
and assuming if it's if it's if it's Shake who goes to the bench with Embiid, I think you'll have Ben with the ball in his hands, and Ben is going to feed he's going to uh, feed Al, and Tobias is going to be like on the wing somewhere, you know, shooting threes. They're going to do like a three man game with those guys. Couple more questions. Scoop Scoop uh, you talked about the Indiana Pacers. Uh, the Grillo Depot is out. Uh, the Nana Sabonis is at the top four position. Um, you, you also have Miles Turner. You have TJ Warren. You have Aaron Holiday. Doug McDermott. You have all those guys. You also have TJ McConnell, former 76er, on that squad. Should the Sixers be scared of the Pacers, despite not having Oladipo? I think so. I mean, I do. I mean, when you base it off of um, the way they matched up this year, I mean, the Pacers won two out of two out of three, and it's been so long that I forget some of the scores. <laughs> but sure, it, there was some lopsided with like outcomes. Like the Sixers whipped them kind of when they came here, and I know like one of these instances they like the Pacers embarrassed the Sixers, you know, down in Indiana. So. You know, it's one of those things I would. Now, the thing is, when you have Ben Simmons playing a four, it might help out a little bit. But, you know, Sabonis and, um, like, the Twin Towers, like, they just just did it to the Sixers. The Sixers just couldn't contend with that. And it's funny because everyone's talking about Victor Oladipo not being there. And this might sound weird to some folks, but this season, this season, you know, I think that the Pacers might be better without him just because they played most of the season without him and, and they and they developed like a chemistry without him and an identity. And when you bring him in, it's like you have to change it a little bit. So, you know, this team is a is could is a tough matchup for the Sixers right now. The Boston Celtics against the Sixers this season, the Sixers won three out of the four games. The last mm-hmm. game, the Celtics won on February 1st, 116-95. to 95. Uh, I spoke to Jalen Brown at the beginning of the season, and I asked him about different matchups for the Eastern Conference. He respected the Sixers. Um, had a great a deal of great things to say about Embiid, Simmons, and company. Should the Sixers be afraid of the Celtics with a four-month rest, or do you think that they match up fairly well? You know, it's weird. You know, it's weird. I think you always have to be afraid of the Celtics, right, because of the respect factor and because of the coach. But I also think a lot of it has to do with Joel Embiid. Like, we know that the the wings for the Celtics are going to play well. We know that. And, and the Sixers are going to give up some points there. But the thing is, if Joel Embiid comes to play, if he comes to play and he's focused, that's a great matchup for the Sixers because I don't see anyone on the Celtics being able to stop Joel. I just don't, you know. I, and so, you know, if, if you're asking me, like, if I'm the Sixers, you know, again, you have to be, have some fear um, because you know that they're going to give it to you. They're going to come and they're going to be ready to play. But if I'm Brett Brown and I have to go up against Boston, I'm I'm like thinking like, okay, this is going to be a good matchup because I don't know who's going to stop Joel. We've come a long way since the 2001 NBA Eastern Conference Finals between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Philadelphia 76ers. That was Allen Iverson's 
uh, MVP season. And of course, the Sixers beat the Bucks and went to the NBA Finals where they'd eventually lose to the Los Angeles Lakers, the Shaq Kobe Grant led Lakers. Fast forward to 2020. Uh, last question here is to be waiting on the United States Pompeo of the Philadelphia Choir. Fast forward to today, um, we're discussing the Bucks potentially being the Eastern Conference champion, um, but at the same breath, the Sixers seem to be the preseason favorite. If you look at the statistics, the Bucks beat the Sixers two out of the three times that they played. Would you pay money to see Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo go head to head in an Eastern Conference Finals matchup? Yeah, I would pay money to see that. I, I would, and to be honest with you, I mean, I, I, I would love it because uh, here's the deal: like Giannis and Embiid are good friends, right? So they got that competitive standpoint uh, going, like the competitive juices. Like you don't want to your, your buddy to show you up, and they come to play. Giannis and Ben Simmons, I mean, it just seems like Giannis gets motivated whenever he plays. But now he gets motivated anyway. But, you know, I would love to see that matchup. You know what I mean? And and, and I, I think that, you know, you're going to see Embiid on them. You're going to see Simmons. Um, you know, they also have some quality bigs. They have a, a full team, shooters. I mean, that would be a great series. Now, if you're asking me who I think is going to win, I'm saying the Bucks all the way, man. I think the Bucks have the Sixers number. Yeah, and they've been paging them nine one one all season. Brother <laughs> <laughs> Pompey, I appreciate you uh, giving me some of your time. I wish you nothing but success in the playoffs and safe travels to and from Orlando. Thanks, man. I appreciate uh, I appreciate you having me on the uh, podcast. My man, I'll talk to you soon. And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee, and I'll bring the Duncan. Kaboom! Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.